I keep the ends out for the tie that fight Because you're mine I walk the line All right. We are in the middle of a series. It's a two-part deal because we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we're doing this in the process of 12 weeks. And you think that might be a like, crazy long time to do a book, but Mark Driscoll's church just came off of doing, um, I believe it was either Matthew or Mark, in the process of a year. Just siphoning through the gospel and trying to delve into it as much as they possibly could to get as much as out of it as they possibly could. So we're taking 12 weeks and we're looking at the book of Ephesians. And the first half we talked about our identity. What our identity was in Christ as, as blessed and as saints. And we're in week four of the, the journey or, or, or walking the line of what it means to follow out that life, that identity in Christ. And, and a few months back, as we try to plan this out quite a ways in advance, Shane sent an email to uh, Phil and I asking if we'd be able to teach these weekends because he, he knew they had state soccer and he's a ref and, and uh, now he's working at Lake Country. And so uh, he, he asked if we wanted to teach on maturity, which Phil taught about last week, about how to live life. And that's the one I picked. I was like, okay, cool. And so in the process of getting the outlines and all this stuff done, that the, on Evernote, which is how we kind of communicate with each other besides email, it talked, the title turned to purity. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up for living life, not, not purity. What's going on here? So I... Next Sunday, I asked Shane, he's like, no, it's the same idea, just a different name. I'm like, okay, thank goodness, because I, I was not prepared to talk about purity in that sense. We're not talking like the true love waits or anything like that. We're talking about so much more than just waiting. We're, we're talking about being spotless and, and, and ha- not having blemishes on us. Um, if you were to go to a store pick up this bottle of Dasani water, it costs you a few bucks, right? And you'd be aggravated, you'd be agitated, you'd take this up to customer service if you looked in this thing and it had dirt in it, wouldn't you? I mean, that'd be pretty gross. Take a bottle of water, start to drink at it, and you, and you, and you look at it, and it's got dirt in it. Because that's not pure water. We paid for pure water. We did not pay for Uncle Jim Bob to go out to the hose behind Walmart, fill this sucker up with hose water, seal it back up, and try to sell it to us for $18. We did not ask for that. We asked for pure water. And so we're looking at what it means to be so much more than just our sexual relationships. So, because, like it says in Ephesians 1, because we've already, we've already gone through this, Ephesians 1, 4. Um, it talks about how we're uh, spot, spotless. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. To be spotless. He's already calling us to that. So we're looking at what that means. 
And out of all the weeks of we've been going through this, we're in week number 10, and this is the first time that Paul pulls out some actions. He starts using action verbs. My wife's a teacher, and, so I, I, and I remember this somewhat from schooling. Action verbs, instead of just be verbs, it's action. We actually have to do something. And so we're looking at what it means to actually follow through this. Okay, So starting in uh, Ephesians 4, starting with 17. With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life that God, wants, God gives because they have closed their mind and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lust, lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he's basically calling us out and saying, I want you to be different than what you were. I want you to do stuff differently because of who you are in Christ. Because of your identity in Christ, you're called to be different. And as we look at a society now, this is the biggest issue when it comes to Christian churches. It's the fact that when non-Christians look at us, we almost always act the same as they do. So they look at us and go, what's different with you? Why in the world should I... Should I give up my life to Christ? Why in the world should I go to church if you're going to act the same way I do? If you're going to say the same things I do, and you're going to be at the same bars that I'm at, and you're going to do the same stuff on the internet that I do, why in the world should I even think about becoming a Christian? Paul's kind of blunt when he comes, when he comes up with this stuff. He doesn't pull punches. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, true, truly righteous and holy. Because of what you learned in Christ, I want you to be different. Because of the things that he has taught you and the ways that he has changed you, I want you to be different. And he almost uses this clo- clothing metaphor like, take off that old dusty cloak that you might have been wearing. Take off that old, I mean, you can almost like, imagine him taking off a coat. Take it off, throw it away, you're done with that lifestyle. Take this new coat, this new way of life, and put it on and live that life. Shaden used an excellent example this morning. I bet if you, I almost guarantee you that none of you made your clothes this morning. That none of you got excited and creative and artistic and designed your own clothes. Made, I know, Jack, you didn't. I, you've tried. The toga didn't work out, but it's okay. <laughs> we appreciate that. Somebody else had to design and build and put together your clothes. And we didn't even think about that, did we? We don't, we don't even think about the fact that somebody, most likely, 95% of the time in another country, has put your clothes together. You can't do it yourself. You could try. It wouldn't look very good. So taking on this new way of life. And we've been using, because we're on this journey, we've been using 
metaphors with vehicles. And as soon as I saw the outline for this and, and I started working with it, I thought of the show Overhaulin'. Ever seen it? No? Nobody's ever seen Overhaulin'. Okay, we got a few. Thank you. <laughs> or any type of car show where they, they take an old beat-up clunker and they transform it into like a beast. I mean, like, loud engine, hot paint job. And so, and Hannah actually had a friend that she grew up with that they tried to get his car on overhauling. Like, they were going to steal it and everything to get it on the show. Because that's basically what they do is, like, if I had an old clunker, Hannah would figure out some way to steal this car without me realizing it. Typically, they, they have, like, cops on there, and they act like they somebody took the car and everything, and then they put, take it off to some factory, and they clean it up and, and everything. But the, one of the first things that they have to do is they have to take the car part, and then they have to use Bondo to, to smooth out all those bumps and all those dings, scratches that the car has accumulated over the lifetime of it being in existence. So let's look at these verses. Let's look at the bondo that we're supposed to be using. Verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let's tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Be honest. Because a lie will lead to a lie that leads to a lie that you have to use to cover up another lie. Because, I mean, it's, once you start lying, it's really hard to like, dig yourself up out of that hole. Because you've got to use another lie to cover up that lie. One of the episodes of, of Big Bang, we enjoy watching Big Bang, and, and Leonard lies to Penny and, and brings Sheldon in on it. And Sheldon has to come up with this whole elaborate, like, I mean, he's like pulling out phone numbers and emails just to cover up this lie. When in, in the first place, it would have just been easier just to be honest. Because, I mean, it's so easy to tell a lie. When it's so much better to tell the truth. So be honest. And don't let sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I, I have issues with this one, getting over my anger. I like to, I like to pinch it up, and, and I'm, oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you back for that. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. I'm probably going to try to do it worse because I'm mean and conniving sometimes because of my human nature. And Paul's calling us to get over it. Get over because that's old nature. Holding grudges and being angry is old nature when we have so much more to live for when we live in Christ and have our identity in Christ. When Hannah and I were going through premarital counseling, not marriage counseling, premarital counseling before we got married, that was one of, not really a rule, but a thing that we decided that we were going to go by was we weren't going to go to bed angry. So anytime we've had spats or she's throwing fire, frying pans at me uh, I'm kidding she has not done that she always misses um, 
No, she's very, very sweet. That's my wife right back there. I love it when she's in here when I'm doing one of these. It's great fun. No, but we've, all, we've decided to always make sure that we never go to bed angry. We can be upset. We can vocalize that. We can communicate about that. But we never go to bed angry. And that's what he's calling us to do. I mean, it's not necessarily with your spouse or, or someone in your family. It can be your neighbor. It can be somebody at work. It can be somebody at school. But stop letting anger overtake you. So anger leads to sin. It leads to the dark side. Star Wars reference. You got it? Awesome. For anger gives foothold to the devil. Verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work and then give generously to others in need. Now, I have no clue if anybody in this room is a kleptomaniac. I really don't. That's not like on a survey that when you walk in the front door, we ask you, hey, do you steal a lot? Okay? So I'm not pointing out that anybody is a thief or they like to, they have like, like the the five-finger discount, okay? But this doesn't just apply to taking stuff from Walmart. I mean, everybody has snagged that piece of gun from Walmart or the, the general store, whatever it might be. A pencil from somebody at school. But when you clock in at work, are you doing good, honest work? We already know Nathan likes to take naps at work. If you're friends with Dave on Facebook. Are you... <laughs> it was on my break. <laughs> yeah, we believe that. <laughs> but are you doing good on this work? Are you just there in body, not really necessarily in mind or in spirit? You're just kind of clocked in and did your thing, whatever it might be. Are you doing good, honest work? Are, are you at work? provide for your family and do it in an honest Christian manner? Uh Uh-oh. It went away. (laughs) Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We already learned last week that Phil, our worship leader, had a potty mouth. Okay, he, he was very blunt and he was very open and honest about that, which we all appreciate. Now, back in my BC, before Christ time, I had a potty mouth because I hung out with the wrong crew at school. Now, I mean, it wasn't like ridiculously horrible, but it wasn't pleasant. Now, I did not ever say bad words in front of my parents. My dad would whoop me. Okay? back when you could still do that. Okay? I worked at Lakeland. And if any of you know what that is, you'll understand this, what, how this applies. Jared worked there as well. He's the one that played the bass. The kids there, and I worked for, with kids from 4 to about 11 or so, somewhere in there, depending on how aggressive they were. I don't think they ever read this verse because some of these kids were almost what you can consider an artist when it, when it came to stringing along 10 or 12 potty words. I mean, it was amazing how they could combine these words 
to try to insult people. And I, and I thought about how sad that really was because you know that they didn't learn that themselves. They had to have somebody in their life, somebody as an influence in their life that taught them those words and taught them that they're not good words and so whenever you're angry, you use those words. And it was sad. But we also have to realize that we can sit there and we can use those words and we can degrade people and we can rip them apart verbally. But we can also do that without those potty words. You can, I can rip somebody apart without using what we consider cuss words. You can degrade somebody without using the, the, that vernacular of, of inappropriate and disgusting words. Paul is telling us to build people up. Because words are extremely important, aren't they? I mean, it's one of the two main ways we hear people. We either hear them with their words or with their body language. There's only one word you can use in body language. It's inappropriate. To stop using foul and abusive language. He doesn't, use, he doesn't say cuss words. He just says foul and abusive. And do not bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guarantee you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now, this isn't really one of those bullet points like don't lie, don't steal. It's not one of those bullet points. Because if you really think about it, if you do any of the above, you'll be grieving the Holy Spirit. You'll be grieving the Holy Spirit that, by the way you live. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That last one could be one of the hardest. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. As we live day to day, that last one, being kind to someone, can be the hardest thing that we can do. When somebody's down on their luck, it's hard just to be nice. When somebody's angry at you and using that foul and abusive language, or in some way has wronged you, it is so hard to turn the other cheek and be kind. I mean, out of all that list, it's probably the hardest one. So how do we do this? How, how do we live this stuff out? After Bondo, after we get rid of the bumps and, and the dings and the scratches, now it just looks like we have a blotchy car, right? I mean, you guys have seen that car driving down the road. The, the one that is, you're just like, really, you paid money for that? I can't believe you actually paid money for that vehicle. We've all seen it, okay? So now what we have to do is we have to paint it, all right? So on overhauling, they do the body work. They make it nice and smooth. They get all the, all the dings and, and the bumps and the bruises and whatnot that that car is dealt with. That it's accumulated over its history. 
that we have accumulated through our history. We all have bumps and bruises and scratch and dings. We all have messed up times in our lives. So we take the bondo and we smooth those out. doesn't mean that they're gone. It just means that they're smoothed out. So now we have to paint it. So now we look in verse 5. Or chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. That's a pretty loaded verse right there, if you think about it. Imitate God in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Okay, so how in the world am I supposed to imitate God? How, what does that mean? Throughout, throughout the New Testament, throughout um, Jesus' ministry, we see him saying that live... Have the faith of a child. Have the faith of a child. Live like a child. Hannah and I worked at an after-school program with, with a bunch of kids that, that get dropped off. The parents were working or whatnot, and they would get dropped off at the church. And so we'd deal with these kids. And every once in a while, you'd find... I actually had one that they called a mini Michael because this kid would follow me everywhere. And he would do what I did. He actually kind of looked at like me at the blonde hair. He had more hair than I did. Um, yes, I know. I can make hair jokes, too. Okay? And I am younger than I look. Okay? Um, and he would follow me around, and he, and he would, like, like, if I was playing a game, he would want to play the game. And if I, if I was coloring on a coloring sheet with a bunch of kids, he would want to sit right next to me. He was imitating me. He was trying to be like me. And Paul is calling us to imitate God and be like God. Because we are his dear children. Live a life full of love. Following the example of Christ, he has loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice to us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place in God's people. This is so prevalent today as it was 2,000 years ago. Sexual immorality is rampant among, in, in, around the world. Not, I mean, you can't just say in this country. Around the world. As much as it is today as it was back then. Staying pure is saying, I'm going to be with somebody when I, and I want them to be the first one. The one I get married to it's the only one I ever want to be with. Guys, stop pressuring the girl. Girl, set standards. Put that line in the sand and don't even get close to it. Because what happens is we kind of like, kind of tiptoe that line and we try, oh, well, I can scoot that line back a little bit. Set standards. Guys set standards too, but don't push the ladies and their standards. Now that's not the only impurity that they're talking about. Because these are all crimes of passion. Love with words. Okay, so look at uh, verse 4. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. When we're around the water cooler at work, whatever, we hear, we, we hear that funny joke on uh, late night talk, 
talk shows the night before and we want to tell that dirty joke or somebody put a dirty joke up on Facebook and we want to share it with the friends at school. Saying that's not who you are. That's not the identity you have in Christ anymore. You're different. You have a new nature, a new identity in who he is and what he's calling you to be. To stop the trash talk. Love with words. And be thankful for who you are and what you have. Instead of like talking behind somebody's back, be thankful for that, that you're alive and that they're alive. We all have issues with that. I mean, I deal with that. At, I am a grown adult and I have to deal with middle school drama at work all the time. It's about the same stuff. You, cannot, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping things of this world. Be content with what you have and be thankful for what you have because, cliche time, there are people around the world that don't have a portion of what you have. To be thankful for that. Because what, what happens is a greedy person wants things more than God and they put things in place of God not necessarily just money but when was the last time you played a video game rather than spent time with God when was the last time you went and waxed your Corvette okay that's not me so you don't have to worry about that one waxed your Corvette instead of spending time with God when was the last time you put things in place of God. Your TV, whatever it might be. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall upon those who disobey Him. In other translations, it says, don't let people deceive you. Don't let people try to fool you into thinking, oh, you know what? It's okay. It's not that big of a sin. Sin is sin. God sees sin as wrong, as bad, and He cannot be near sin. Whether it be a baby sin or a big sin, don't try to judge that. It's the fact that it's a sin. And we talked about maturity last week. Being mature enough to realize that that what you're doing is wrong. And and being mature enough to don't let people deceive you. And don't let people try to fool you and to think that it's okay. And it's not. It's wrong. Don't participate in these things that people do. For once you're full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So after we got that paint, after we got that, that, the flames or the racing stripe, whatever paint job we might want, what they do is they take it and they, they clean the entire car. Even though it's already been redone, been bonded, it's been painted, they clean the entire car inside and out, and then they buff it. They get out the old buffing rags, like like on Karate Kid, wax on, wax off, and they make it pop. They, they make it like stand out. So we got to have that fruit that stands out. That light that produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. 
Don't take any part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness, yet instead expose them. It is shameful to even talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you the light. A few, a few months back we had our uh, revived weekend. And Andy was talking about letting God into, because we were talking about spiritual houses and, and letting God into, into rooms that had been locked away and we hadn't let God into. We have issues in our lives that a lot of times as, as immature or as growing Christians, we go, okay, I'll give God this part of my life, I'll give God this part of my life, I'll give God this part of my life. But that part, that's so messed up, that's so gross and dirty and dusty and nasty, God would never ever want to deal with that. So I'm going to lock that door. It's still there. I'm going to lock that door and not let God deal with that. We've got to let God into those places. We've got to let light produce. If, it, if anybody knows anything about biology, light produces life. I mean, look at fruit. It's really hard to produce fruit in a dark room, besides mushrooms. Okay, but that's not fruit. <laughs> Gotta have light. And light exposes things that are in the dark. I mean, I was watching 24 the other night on Netflix. And he's like, hand me, your, hand me your flashlight. And he takes his gun and flashlight and he shines into the room. Because he couldn't see anything in the room, so he had to take the flashlight and look into it. Let God do that. Let God delve into the spots that you don't allow him. And deal with those things. Because, I mean, if anybody's going to deal with the things in our lives, it should be God. So the question is, what rooms have you not let God into? Or have you even let him in your house? Have you even formed that relationship with him? Because if we're talking about living life as, as someone who follows Christ, and I have no clue even if you are a Christian. I have no clue if you've made that step of faith. You have the opportunity today to do that. And I mean, it's not just the, the few minutes that Phil and the band are going to play. The invitation doesn't stop there. It's a ba- any time. Because do- God does not stop. He's not on a clock that he clocks in and clocks out. He's ever-present at any moment in your time, any moment in your life. It's just that we have a convenient time built into a worship service that you can come up and talk to any one of us. Talk to myself, talk to Shelly, talk to anyone, the leader, Cheryl. Whoever that might be. If God's doing something in your life, do business with God. Because I grew up in church. And I spent so long being scared of stepping up and stepping up in faith. I didn't become a Christian until I was 16 and God smacked me upside the head and said, okay, we're going to do business now. 
that I spent so long sitting in that chair, sitting in that pew, going, okay, God, not today, not today, I'm too scared. Not going to happen. So if God's doing business with you today, don't fight it. Do business with God. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this opportunity that we can come here and can worship you and who you are. That we can look at what Paul's saying and how he wants us to live life. How he wants us to walk through this world having an identity in you. Being pure in our identity in who you're calling us to be. And giving us some actions about not lying, to be honest, to watch our language, to watch our actions. Thank you so much for who you are, God. Do business with us right now, God. Love you so much, God. May we pray. Amen.